What's up, everybody? About to go live with John Mike, who's a good friend of mine, director of Loop Gospel. We're going to talk about what's going on. And uh, we're going to have an important conversation because I think that needs to happen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. John, what's up, my brother? Man, I'm awesome, man. Good morning. Dude, I'm so glad to see you, man. Oh, man, likewise. So you and I, so John, you, I mean, we'll just give some people some background. Like you're the director of Loop Gospel. Yes, sir. Um, which is the gospel division of Loop Community. And today's Blackout Tuesday. And, yes, you know, we are taking time to like pause and really reflect, yeah. you know. Absolutely. This isn't, you know, for me, this isn't a day off. This is right. a day to like listen and like lean in and yeah. learn and do whatever I can to bring awareness, you know? Yes, sir. And ask questions. And bro, you and I have been friends since what, 2014? 14, yeah. Really early part of it. It's been what, just six years now? Man, yeah. It's amazing. And Crazy uh, journey. you've been just an awesome colleague and friend and Christian brother. Yes, and sir. so Loop Community today, you know, we're, we're saying that we do not stand for racism, for, Absolutely. you know, police brutality, for racial injustice. We do, Absolutely. you know, and I watched this George Floyd video and it like brought me to tears, man. Oh, likewise, likewise. It, I like couldn't even believe what I was seeing. Like someone, like someone being murdered on the street and like my stomach just like dropped. And the hard thing is that I realized that, you know, like as a white male, there's things that I'm, I don't fully understand, you know? And like, and it's, um, so today is a day to listen, man. And like, and, and, and learn. Absolutely. I, I appreciate, uh, for one, your heart on this. Um, I was telling my wife, um, you know, last night that it's just amazing. Um, you know, how you said, I know there was a lot of companies and stuff that were like closing their office, so to speak, um, on today. But I thought, you know, you made a statement to us, you know, internally that, you know, this would be a day of closure, so to speak, but it would be right. a day of closure you know, to where we can kind of get, you know, have these conversations and really um, talk to the community uh, right. per se and really kind of make some discussions about, uh, open up some dialogue because while we're, you know, we, we are, you know, we know that we're equal. A lot of times we live in these separate worlds, you know, uh, even, you know, as, as, as Loop sometimes, I think we, you know, we look at it, we have divisions, you know, there's Loop Gospel, there's, Loop communities and there's Loop Espanol and of course those yeah. have those places you know not not saying that they're they're unneeded because there's you know you and me know that was I think one of our first conversations was that uh, there's language barriers <laughs> you know what I'm yeah saying? totally in, in in each thing you know the way that we talk and the way that we all communicate so it warrants having those different uh, divisions so to speak in order to um, be able to serve people better uh, but I think. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just bringing the, that awareness to 
uh, I think it's awesome that you're bringing this awareness to the community that we are a united front, even though there's different areas, there's different yeah, sections of our business. Yeah, we're um, united. We're united. And we, you know, this is what we do. This is how we, we, we work together to serve our community. Yeah, man. And that's why, I mean, today we're going to be doing, you're, we're gonna, I'm going to be doing a few interviews. You're going to do an, a couple of interviews with some of our producers Absolutely. and, and just hear stories and just like talk about it and have a conversation. Cause yeah. I, I mean, I'm a strong believer that I'm like, you know, me just taking the day off and right. like going to play golf is not going to do anything. Right. You right. know, like this, we need to like sit, we need to like yes. do something, like have a conversation and talk and I can't pretend to understand fully the sorrow and anger yeah. of what generations, you know, mm. of people have endured, like the discrimination and marginalization that generations have yeah. endured. Like I can't, and that's just me being honest. Like I don't, I don't, I, like, I, I can pretend it. to fully understand that. I get it. And it's easy to be blind towards it, you know what I mean? Because you don't, you're not in that environment, yeah. living, you know, living it from day to day. <clears throat> I think we were having a conversation yesterday and I was telling you, uh, you know, sometimes even the conversations as a black man, I have to have with not only my constituents, my friends, my fellow brothers, uh, but also with my, even with my children. I yeah. have, uh, I have three and I have six kids total, but I have three uh, boys three men now the girls have one set of issues and things they're going to have to deal with in life but as african-american men um they ha we have a whole nother <clears throat> subset of problems that we have to deal with when you when you feel um when you feel discriminated against or even if you feel the the uh the the inequality just because just because of who you are you know what I mean? And it's and it's difficult to communicate that and empathize. No, no difference than I can empathize with what it feels like to be Caucasian, to be white. I don't know. I'm sure there's subsets of issues that you deal with, you know, um, but I don't I don't know because I haven't had that experience. But in our experience, uh, it's it's difficult um, to communicate sometimes to especially like to our children. Because as a black man, like I live in a really nice neighborhood, a really nice neighborhood, and it's and honestly, it is predominantly white. I don't think there's too many of us of us out here. Uh, and so, as an African American father, I fear sending my children out into the neighborhood by themselves. You know what I mean? Because there's not too many, yeah. there's not people that look like us. And so, and you hear the stories, and so subconsciously, in the back of your mind. Uh, you have this thought process of like, what if, you know, what if someone sees them, you know, have I communicated to them? Have I taught them well enough to where they know, you know, don't step on this person or don't, don't do this. Or if somebody says something to you, don't respond back in a, in an awkward way. Don't, you know, you know, don't, don't propose yourself as a threat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to try to teach that. You know, my yeah. father told me when I was, had to be about 16, right when I was getting ready to start driving. And he had to talk with me. And most people would say the talk would be, you know, the sex talk, but it's not the yeah, sex talk. Right, right. My dad had the talk with me that we have with, you know, with uh, African-American fathers have to have with their sons. And that's if you get pulled over by the police, take your wallet. Yeah. As soon as you see the lights, take your wallet out of your pocket, 
and put it on the dashboard, put your hands on the steering wheel, mm-hmm. and keep be polite. Say yes, sir. No, sir. Don't pose yourself as being hostile. You know, we have to have that talk. And I, in a few years, I'm going to have to have that talk with my, you know, yeah. sons. You know, don't, don't pose yourself like that. Because if you reach in, if you do a sudden reach, they think you're reaching for something. You know what I mean? So it, it's crazy, you know, that we have to have those conversations. Man, I, um, you told me a story yesterday about like a time you were, uh, you were in an accident. Yeah. Yeah, Can you share yeah. that? It's crazy. Uh, so uh, this had to be maybe 2006, 7-ish. Because my son, my oldest son was a baby uh, then. Yeah. He was a baby. He was still in the car seat. And so we were, we were going somewhere. We were driving. Um, I can't remember where we were going. But we were driving, and it was raining. And so this lady pulls over into my lane, you know, and hits the front of my car, hits me, you know, and, you know, of course we swerve, we do all of that, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't a terrible accident. It was just like a kind of a fender bender. Um, so we get out, you know, she says, oh my gosh, oh, I'm so sorry. She's a white lady. She said, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I, was, I wasn't paying attention. It's raining. I started, you know, by the time I saw you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no problem. You know, we'll just do what we normally do. You call the, you call the uh, police have them come do a report so we can do it for the insurance, all that stuff like that. Now I'm in a, I can't remember where I was going. I had on like slacks and I had on a, um, just a regular, sh- you know, like button down shirt and a tie. I didn't have on a hoodie. Yeah. I didn't have on right. baggy pants or anything. I'm just looking like a regular blue collar worker or black collar worker, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I look like a regular, you know, a regular guy. And, um, so we're standing outside the the car and the police officer pulls up. He comes in, he starts, he goes straight to the white lady. He starts talking to her uh, about, you know, what's going on. And I hear my son crying in the back seat. So I go to open up the door to see what's going on. And he draws his weapon on me. He just, just, sir, you know, back, back, sir, get back. Um, uh, you know, don't, um, you know, don't reach. I lost you. Lost you. Oh, okay. Well, I think we're back. Sorry, I lost you. Yeah. So you're saying, okay, so I'm back. Like, sir, don't me? reach back there. Yeah, I got you now. Yeah, don't reach back that. He he thought I was he thought I was reaching for a gun or something. I'm I'm not sure what he thought I was yeah. reaching for, but he he draws his weapon on me and starts, you know, you know, telling me. And so the the white lady who uh who hit us, she she grabs the officer, she says, Hey, she's like, No, she's like, he's just trying to check on his son in the back seat. She's like, the accident was my fault. He didn't do anything, you know. Yeah, right. And right, you know, and so it was just this crazy thing. Now I don't think r- racial tensions was was kind of high then, but they weren't as high as they are now. Um, mm-hmm. But it was I, I think back on that time to time on that situation. And yeah. I'd always just thank God because that could have been another story. You know what I mean? Oh, I could have yeah, been man. another name. You know what I mean? And for every story that this this story that I told, 
there's a hundred more, you know, of guys that have had similar or other experiences, you know what I mean? Uh, in these, in these lights, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a very real thing. It's a very real thing as an African-American. So from that point on, I remember now having that, that reserve. I've been pulled. Now, I've never been like a speeder. I've never been like anybody who's reckless driving or anything like that. But yeah. I've been pulled over for like a taillight being out. Um, and when you get pulled over, you just, you're just scared for your life. You don't yeah. know. You know, I got pulled. The last time I got pulled over, I was in Tennessee. I was going to Nash. I was on my way to Nashville. And I backed. I, I pulled. I, I, got, I moved over in the lane in front of an 18-wheeler. Um, but I was like, I mean, I thought it was enough space in between, but evidently there's a rule that you're supposed to be six cars ahead, the space of six cars ahead of a, a 18 wheeler when you pull out in front of it. I didn't know that, but you know, he thought I, but anyway, the police officer pulled me over for pulling in front of an 18 wheeler like that. And, and we, we pull over to the side of the road and I promise you that was, it was, it was scary. It's and and you know and I know I didn't do anything you know serious yeah, right, right but you don't but, know what's gonna you yeah, don't know what's gonna because, happen yeah when he's a you know when he's a white officer the the immediate fear you know kind of comes upon you like yeah. you know am I gonna make it home to see my children am I gonna be another story uh, yeah is this and it's not be fair a, because it's yeah. you're like immediately set up for like failure in a way <laughs> yeah yeah you know what I mean it like is. you're like not in an equal position. With the other people yeah. that got pulled over, you know, who are maybe white, and that's not, yeah, that's not cool. Yeah, it's it's sad. So, let me ask you a question. Like, sure. one of the reasons I wonder, like, maybe there's not more conversation about this, and I'm glad mm -hmm. that this is all happening, is like maybe people are afraid of saying the wrong thing, mm -hmm. you know. And it almost seems like anything you say, I'm sure there's going to be someone that's going to maybe say something about it. But like, I think maybe people are afraid of saying the wrong thing, like. I mean, even yesterday, very practical, small, weird example is that yesterday, right. you know, you and I were talking about like, you know, is it black or is it African-American? Right. And, like, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, oh, I don't even want to say anything because I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to offend someone if I say African-American. I don't want to say some offend someone if I say black. Right. And it's like, I mean, that's a very small example. And I'm sure there's, yeah. a, I mean, there's obviously way bigger ones. I would be curious just from you, like, what, what should someone not say? <laughs> during this time you know like what uh, is like really what is what is not helpful that you've heard or like or what's been hurtful that you've seen someone said or someone yeah. said to you like no definitely the in, definitely the n-word don't don't say that yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't say that uh, i think it's it's um it, it it depends on who you are you know what i mean and it depends on the context in which it's used um the context in which it's used you know uh, it could, it can, it can, it can vary. Uh, but you know, and it depends on who you talk to, you know, uh, who, who it is. But I think the biggest thing, which is what you're doing outside of just saying something or making a statement is doing what you're doing now is listening. You know what I'm saying? Because you get more, you learn more from the story, uh, of a person and listening to their story. I'm a big mm -hmm. story guy. I, I, I like getting the story behind where people are because it, it, it gives me the it gives me the bigger picture of of who they are and what their life experience is and I can grow from that. So like I said, sometimes if you can't say anything, it's doing kinda like what we're doing now, giving a forum, a space where 
we can communicate. Like I like this is probably the most I've taught in, in years and, and definitely to a white person. I can tell you this for a fact. This is the most in years that I've actually talked with a white person about what the black experience is like. I can't remember having a conversation anytime recently. Now we talk I talk with my with my black friends all the time about it, but I don't have conversations with Caucasians about our experience and mm-hmm. what we have to deal with. You know what I mean? And so and, and I don't know what causes that divide or what maybe it's just it's the same thing. It's it's almost like a they don't really care, maybe, you know, yeah mentality. Like, do you really even care? Do, do, mm-hmm. do you care to know? what I experienced, you know, um, you know, yeah. when I, like I think about my neighbors around, like, do you guys care that I'm afraid to send my kids outside? You yeah, know, right. so are you, right. or do you know that I'm, I don't, I'm scared to let my kids play with your kids because I don't know how they're going to interact or how you are going to view it. If my kids come out and play with your kids, like, yeah. I don't know what your views are. I don't know if that's okay. I don't know if you're secretly talking about us in your house, you know, yeah. and, you know what I mean? So those totally that's the that's the cycle kind of somatic. Yeah. And that, you know, that really then falls on white people. Like it's it's not I think it's I fall as far as like I think we need to be the ones then to start the conversation, like yeah. to initiate the conversation, I would think. Yeah, because like yeah. maybe there is fear that like we're actually not of the same thinking, you know, mm, like that definitely. we don't agree on this. Definitely. And. And that's not right. Mm-hmm. What um, like what would you want like every like white worship leader like me to know? <laughs> um, man, that's a that's an amazing question. Um, the my my hope and my prayer would be is that we we get to a place to where literally as as almost as Dr. King you know said to where we we don't see color. You know, and that that is I think that is that is the the most um, because, you know, we get to heaven, you know, we're we're not going to we're all going to be there, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, So um, I I, I wish and there's there's no way that it can it's going to happen in one conversation and in one thing. It's a generational thing. You know, it has to be um, it has to be proliferated down through the generations as a father. Um, uh, you, I would tell you as a father to, you know, work to teach your, your, your daughter, your, your son, um, not to see color, you know, in those lights. Uh, I heard a story, I saw a, a white worship leader that posted something really powerful over the weekend, um, with his, with his daughter. So, um, he had, he said he bought his daughter a black baby doll. He bought her a black baby doll. Yeah. Um, and and so, and she's a baby. I mean, she's like a baby baby, probably yeah. like Molly's age baby. Uh, and um, what he did was they started affirming the doll to the baby saying, you know, isn't your baby doll beautiful? Do you see mm-hmm. how beautiful, look, we bought her a beautiful little dress. Look at this beautiful dress on this, you know, on this baby doll. Um, yeah. Do you do you see how beautiful you know how beautiful this is? Do you see how amazing mm-hmm. that she is? Because you know typically you know we we buy you know I, we've been guilty of it. I'll be honest, yeah. even as as African Americans, we buy black baby dolls 
for our baby, for our girls, yeah. when, you know, when they were babies. You yeah. know, we buy black action figures for our boys, you know, because they're black and we want them to see black superheroes. You yeah. Know? Right. You know what I mean? So um, I thought it was amazing that, that uh, you know, that that struck me as something amazing. And he, and he talked about how that's what he, his goal has been to teach his daughter not to see color or to see all color is beautiful. That the only color that because they're in an environment where it's mostly them. They're just surrounded by other Caucasians. They're surrounded yeah. by their culture. So she doesn't get to see, you know, African-Americans on a day-to-day basis. But if I can put little things in your environment that helps to affirm this racial, you know, equality that we don't see color the way that the world sees it. You know what I mean? We don't see black the way that 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 the culture sees it. You know what I mean? We see this is one of God's children. You know what I mean? So you think about the officer that 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 did that. What if somewhere down the line, someone, if his father had have taught him, you know, mm-hmm. to see the beauty in all races, in all cultures, that he would have saw not a not a threatening black man as he as he as he looked at it. But he would have saw this is a human being. This is a person. This is a, which is one of God's creations. Why am I treating this person? Or why am I subjugating this person to this? You know what I mean? Why am I not listening to their cries? Why am I not empathizing? So somewhere down the line, he was not taught that empathy. He wasn't taught, he wasn't taught that, you know what I mean? He wasn't taught that love. He wasn't taught that vision. So yeah. I, I, that would be my affirmation, I think, to, to anyone, worship leader or not, you know, uh, to to teach. And that, that's that's even our even as, as parents ourselves, like that's one of the reasons why we homeschool. We homeschool our children. Um, we, we try to teach them those values. We try to teach them those morals. We try to put them in environments that are diverse. You know what I mean? Where they're around Caucasians, where they're around Asians, where they're around uh, Latino and Spanish. We try to go to these different events and put them in places where they can be exposed to the rainbow of, of, of God's mm. creation. You know what yeah, I mean? Right, right. Man, that's so good. That is, those are some really good, just like practical things because that's, that's doable. <laughs> you know, that's not, yeah. it's not impossible. I think people feel like this is an impossible thing to change. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to take time, but it's going to take it intentionality, does. intentionality, yeah. you know, like, like that, like, yeah, the the baby Definitely. doll. My wife, my wife was actually telling me that she, as a kid, had a had a black baby doll, and yeah. uh, and loved it. You know, like yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, yeah, dude, that's that's awesome. What do you think that? What do you hope that like? What do you th- what do you? What's the biggest change that you want to see in the church? You know, out from all this, like yeah. And I guess that's hard because it does depend like what kind of church you go to and like yeah. But... I would I would say this I would say this I would say this uh, the immediate thought that comes to mind. Um, better in we we need better equality you know because people churches are becoming more multicultural. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're becoming very much more multicultural. That is, I see that proliferating even more in the in the two thousand and twenties. You know, in this yeah. decade, I think we're going to increasingly become more and more multicultural. With that, I would affirm, and this is a leadership thing, not so much of a worship leader situation, mm-hmm. but it's more of a pastoral thing. Yeah. Um, 
I would affirm pastors. I would love to see pastors put African-Americans on staff. And when I say staff, I'm not just talking about as a worship leader, because sometimes our value is always uh, put in as an intrinsic, the intrinsic value that we have is always on the stage. Yeah. They want us in a visible point where people can see us and see the diversity on the stage. Yeah, look how diverse great. we are. <laughs> look how diverse. But you don't have African-Americans in your administration, you know, as your youth pastor, yeah, as right. your, um, um, uh, in your, you know, financial office, you know, dealing with, you know, those different things in your, as your associate pastor. I, don't, I, I haven't seen, I'm yeah. sure they exist. I'm sure they exist. But I haven't seen a dynamic where you have a white pastor and a black associate pastor. You know yeah. what I mean? I haven't seen that dynamic or even opposite a black pastor with a white with a white associate pastor or someone that's in the upper echelon of the leadership. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that's helping the church make decisions. I think I told you the story about uh, the um, the black worship leader uh, yesterday. I was telling you about it over the weekend. I got a um, I got a, a text from a friend and he was just like, look at this. Look how crazy this is. And he was telling it what it what it happened was um, there was a worship leader, a black worship leader that was a leader at a predominantly white church, their multi multicultural church. But she was the only African-American on the stage, on the worship leader stage. Yeah. Uh, multicultural church. But with, she was a black worship leader. She um, made a statement on her social media uh, in response to the George Floyd stuff. Yeah. And lost her job her pastor fired her and what was the crazy thing about it was yeah. as we started investigating into it more she went to the pastor um the day like a couple of days before right after it happened and was just crying and was just telling you know you know really just going to her pastor for comfort you know and she said she had a two-hour conversation with her pastor um talk with him um went through all of the specifics and he comforted her and all of that stuff like that. And then um, she left there. And then a day later she posted this post and it was actually meant to be an affirmation to her pastor. And what she said was, if your pastor doesn't support you, doesn't stand up or support the injustice and the inequality uh, and all of that that's going on during this season, um, then he shouldn't be your pastor. You know, and he shouldn't, he definitely shouldn't be receiving your tithes and your offerings and all of those, your monetary support. That's yeah. what she posted. And it went, you know, it was a big post. And, yeah, you know, a lot sure of people saw up. it. And um, she lost her job because of that. Wow. Two man. days later, they called that Friday, which this happened, all happened last week. This happened on a Wednesday. She posted on Thursday. Friday, she had her, she, she lost her job. Wow, bro. They told, they told her, don't come back to, 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 to the campus. They don't want her back on campus. And so she she just said and she told my friend when we was conversating back, they said that, you know, she's just numb. Like yeah. how do you respond to that? And you expect that type of stuff to happen in the world system. Like, you know, if you're in the, the secular system and you have a secular job and you're working at a um, you know, you're working in, in some sort of, you know, office or whatever, and you expect, you know, someone to, you know, you make a racial, you know, comment on Facebook or something like that and you lose your job because of it. You know, we've seen that happen dozens of times. You post something crazy on Twitter and you lose your job, you know. Yeah, but right. You don't ex you don't expect 
that sort of inequality and injustice in the worship world. You don't yeah, expect, the church. Yeah. yeah, you don't expect that from the church. You wouldn't, you know, it just doesn't, you can't compute it. You know what I mean? It's like, how did that go left? You know what I mean? How did, yeah. how did this go left when I meant, when I said it as an affirmation really to you as the pastor? Yeah. How did you see this? How did this get twisted up? And how yeah. did I lose my job? And why would he not support that statement? I mean, yeah. what are we talking about? Like, we're the church. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how could? <laughs> yeah. And and again, for one, every 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 one story like that, there's a dozen others. Yeah, you know, that's sure. going on that we that we never hear about or that we never saw or that we never seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's 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 the the inequality is 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 I think that's the biggest thing. So I would affirm, but you know, now imagine if if there were other african-americans in this church that were in the upper echelon not on the stage but in the office yeah you know during the week that could have helped no pastor that's not what she meant no that's not what she said i don't think that this is a good during this climate pastor i don't think that that's a good this is a good time to fire your black worship leader you know because of a right. statement that she you know what i'm saying so yeah. it, someone didn't didn't, didn't yeah. step in there yeah i was just thinking i've been on staff at like three or four mega churches large churches mm -hmm. and i'm i i was just trying to run through thinking i can only think of one of those churches that had a black person in like leadership wow. and i mean like i mean like not i'm not counting worship teams because you're right no, I get these it. white churches are like all right we're gonna hire a black person because we need for our worship team because they're gonna mm -hmm. be up on stage, mm -hmm. and that's just like, yeah, I'm 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 thinking like actual leadership, you yeah. know, in a position, you know, doing accounting or even, right, you know, a position that's not like the janitor. Exactly, that's and, what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's so wrong, man. That's yeah. yeah well, that's that's a good word, man. That that we need to see that change. I hope that this sparks that. Yeah, what? as a, as worship leaders, that's what I would say. <clears throat> Talk to your leadership. You know, say, hey, you know, I, I have a friend. If you know someone, especially if you know someone in the congregation that's good with accounting or that's a, got a pastor's heart, you know, I think we should make such and such an associate pastor. I think we should make so and so a youth pastor. You know, yeah. it, it 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 if there are any pastors that are watching, I would definitely affirm that because it's it's it just needs to happen. If you if we want to really see the church become um, multicultural, you know, yeah. I mean, in in the sense of way the way God sees it, yeah. then there needs to be there needs to be um, diversity and equality across the entire staff, right? Across right. the entire board, on your board of directors, on the people that are helping you make decisions, and I, yeah. and I, and I'm not even just affirming that to the white pastors. I'm saying that to the black pastors as well. Like we, as our culture, even need to embrace it because there's and and, and we know it's it, it's it stems all the way back to slavery the separation because you know that you've heard this the phrase before and it's it's so true that sunday is the most segregated yeah. day of the week you yeah know, people go to their we, white church people go to the black church yeah you know and then you have those that, that meet in the middle but for the most part it's systemically it's black and white you yeah. know and we stay in those corners you know what i mean uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think it's changing. It's it's going to take more conversation. It's going to take more listening. 
It's going to yeah. take more empathizing. And I know that's a big part of it. We don't feel a lot of times that, you know, we don't feel that our issues connect. We don't, we're not on the same, we're not making the same income. We're not in the same income brackets. We're not in the same, you know, social club back, you know, we, we, you know, so you don't feel welcome. So you, I'll just stay over here. I'll just stay with my people, you yeah. know, and you're like, we'll stay with our people, you know, and there needs and to be more meeting in the middle. Yeah. I want to see that happen, man. I, that's why I was so encouraged. Like, I feel like it was a couple of years ago, Elevation did that Elevation Collective. Yes. Where it's like, let's just like, let's merge this together. You know, mm-hmm. like the songs. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the most awesome. powerful albums, man. I listen to that album all the time. I just get goosebumps. Yeah. And yeah. then I feel like that started a wave of like, it did. you know, worship music, like trying to merge gospel. and Yeah, and, it does. And um, I hope we, we see more of that. I hope we see that actually take root in churches you know i think we will i, th- I think we will because it's, it's you know i don't know if you've been paying attention to maverick city um yeah. maverick city um is doing an amazing job at blending cultures um yeah. in the music in the music realm they're probably one of the best examples uh i'm seeing right now i think they're like on volume three or something to that nature of just songs that inc- that, that are inclusive that that reach both uh sides i listened to the i know i've been listening to uh volume three for like the last month just like on the weekends when i'm just kind of you know we're barbecuing or we're just hanging out i have that playing in the background because i just love the the diversity that they bring to the music and there needs to be more of that and i and i think even as us we, we we need to work as loop community as all of us we need to work together on and i know we've talked about it but i think we need to probably work on enacting some of those things in the future yeah. just doing some some cross-culture worship songs or figuring out what that looks like and figuring out how right. you can do something that reaches both sides of the spectrum yeah let me ask you this john like in your sure. daily life in your day day-to-day life maybe your families like where do you se- like sense and pick up the most um inequality like where do you experience the most like this is this is not equal this is not we're not being treated the same Mm. that's a good question like do you find Um, is it is it mostly you know in a specific location or is it is it uh you know job related is it just day day to day you know going to the grocery store like i don't know like yeah, it's it, it. You can the the thing about it is you you can feel it. Um, you feel it in different places. It's not necessarily like one target area. It's you know like I was sharing earlier when you get pulled over by the police and it's and it's just yeah. a tail light out, you know, yeah. and and you wonder, you know, it, it, it you know what is this? You know, is is this what it's this gonna be the last time we're gonna make it back home? Mm-hmm. Um, or it's when, you know, you have an accident and they pull up, police pull up and, you know, they pull a gun on you because, you know, you were trying to check on your child in the back seat. you know, uh, those are moments, uh, yeah, when you feel it, uh, I've, I've had those, it's, it's, it's the sad part about it is I'll say this to the, hopefully kind of answer it. The sad part about it is as African-Americans, we've experienced inequality so much that we've become numb to it. It's just become 
that's just the way it is. You know, when you look at, you know, income brackets, when you look at the stark difference between, you know, what my parents made for, you know, made made in a year versus what your parents made in a year, you know, growing up, Mm -hmm. you see it there. Or, you know, when you see where your grandmother lives versus, you know, where my grandmother lives, you know, mm-hmm. like my grandma right now is living and still living in the same one uh, bedroom house that she raised nine kids in, mm-hmm. in a one bedroom house. They, they literally slept on top of each other, you know, growing up, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a, in a house that's basically the size of my studio right now, you mm-hmm. know, with nine, with, with 11 people in it, you know, um, so you, you, you experience it in packets throughout your entire life to the point where it does this, this almost this psych job on you to where you feel the inequality all around you and it becomes, a, it could be, it's systemic. It becomes a part of your psyche. So like I was saying earlier, I fear sending my kids outside. It could be perfect. Nobody in our neighborhood could mean yeah. a bit of harm to our children. Everybody in our in our neighborhood could be perfectly right. colorblind. Could be perfectly colorblind. Right. They could they they might even want to play with our children. They want may want to see our children. But in my mind, because of what I've experienced and what I've been exposed to in the environment I grew up with, yeah. It you you have this it's it's just embedded. It's rooted in there. Yes. And it's like we're not good enough. We're not supposed to, our kids aren't supposed to go outside and play basketball with other white kids. Our kids aren't supposed to, um, you know, go be in the pool, you know, down the street where there's other white kids yeah, down right. there in the pool. You know, they should, we should oh, wait man. till they leave and then we should send our kids down. Like my wife took the kids to the pool the other day. We have a neighborhood pool that took them up there and I just said, be, the, the first response was be careful. That was the, as they were walking out the door. It's like, we're gone. And, and, I, and my response back was not bye, see you later. It was be careful. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's hard to pinpoint direct yeah. places and points right. when you just, it's just something, it's not something you, you see. It's something you feel. It's something mm-hmm. you, you, you adapt to. It's something that you, you yeah. know what I mean? That you, that you, that you, that you, that you, it just becomes a part of you. You know what I mean? And so that's that's the scary part. And that's the part that we're, we've been working, our, me and my wife, to try to try to keep our kids from feeling that. You know what I mean? And we know that, you know, they're going to feel it at some point in their life. But we, we try our best to try to keep them from, you know, from it, from have, from growing up with the same systemic psychological loop, you know, yeah. I mean, playing, yeah. playing in our playing in their brains is playing in ours. You know what I mean? So. That's 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 kind of. I hope that kind of answers it. So to no, speak. It, to- it totally does, man. It's horrible because that shouldn't. No one should have to live in that kind of fear and like worry. What like what can? What do you think like we can do to help? You know what I mean? Like what? It's like if I'm your neighbor, you know, like I live in your neighborhood yeah. because I do think that like, you know, I may not be able to help all of America. Oh, definitely. You know. But, like, I think that I am called to, like, help with the people that are around me in my community. Exactly. And like, so let's just say I live in your neighborhood. Like, what 
what could I do that would help make you feel not that way? I mean, <laughs> and it's, well, it's, it's, that's a weird thing because it's like, how do you, it is, you can't say, you can't, yeah, you can't feel it, something. Yeah, because if, if it's the the thing is because of the way human nature, make nature uh, is in the way that our psyche works. If yeah. we feel that way, we're going to feel that way regardless of what you do or what you say or how yeah. you try to welcome. Because, you know, it, 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 and I speak from my own personal experience. I, I could know, um, like personally, you that you you're not like that. You yeah. know what I mean? I know that you're not like that because we've yeah. had a conversation. We've been in relationship. We've done business together for five years. We've yeah. or six years. We've done had conversations. We've been to conferences together. You know, yeah. we've done all of these things together. Um, so I know personally you're not like that. But because of the way my psyche works and because of what I've experienced, you could say something playful or joking, joking, and that loop starts playing again in my brain. Yeah. And yeah. then I wonder, has Matt flipped on me? You know, mm. did he, what does he really mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I may take it because of what I've experienced. So it, it's, 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 it's really difficult to, to, to give you practical steps on how to do it when you, because it's going to fit differently within the situation. Because there, there are African-Americans that don't ha haven't experienced that haven't experienced that inequality maybe because they were sheltered maybe they grew up in a different region of the united states where that wasn't as prevalent or they weren't exposed to this or they weren't exposed to that maybe they yeah. were private school maybe they their parents were well off and all they spent time around was you know you know wealthy caucasian people and they, they don't have those schisms you know what i mean but then you can run into a guy you know like me that's um that grew up poor dirt, dirt poor poverty you know what I mean? My, 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 there was times when my pops, I think most, you know, he, he eventually income, gained more income, but you know, when we was growing up and this guy was making maybe eleven, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a year, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Trying to support us. Uh, so, um, you know, grew up in poverty and, and has experienced all of these, these different, you know, chasms of there. And then I come into a place where I'm in a neighborhood where, you know what I mean? I'm living in a, a neighborhood where it's, 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 you know, the houses are, are plus 500,000, you know, and I'm feeling like I'm not supposed to be here because of what I've experienced. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. And, and so it's difficult to give you the practical steps that'll make a person yeah. like that feel comfortable because yeah. they don't feel comfortable by default. You know what I mean? They, they we just don't feel comfortable by default when we get in certain environments or when we're having certain conversations. Um, so, um, it, it the root has it has to be dealt with at the root, which is what we're doing, uh, what we're doing now. It's it's you listening. It's us having conversations. It's us exposing it, because if we expose it to, you know, somebody, you know what I mean, that they, 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 they you know, they, they don't know. Because some people walk in unconscious racism. You know, it's, it's unconscious. They, they don't know what they're saying or what they're doing or what they're feeling is a racist feeling or, you know what I mean? Or, or yeah, in, in, right. in equal, in equal thought process. Right. You know what I mean? But when you expose it and you know, you, you, you expose their psyche to it and then they, it makes them think, am I treating people wrong? Am I treating people the right way? Am I being equal? Am I, am I, you know, doing the best that I can to, to make people around me feel comfortable that I'm not like that. And I don't see it like that. You know what I mean? And I think that's, this is what you do. And it, and, and it affects that, that hopefully affects the generation that's coming behind that. 
and then we raise a, a colorblind society because that's the only way. It's it's gonna have to be the it's gonna have to die out. It's the only way that you know. Yeah, you, know, man. you, you, you get it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Well, thanks for sharing that, man. I, I feel like now is the time that you know, in scripture, you know, weep with those who weep, mm, mourn with those definitely. who mourn. Definitely. You know, like we got to just be praying for understanding, peace, definitely. healing, and listen. Lean in and listen. Definitely. That's why, you know, John, I love you, man. I am. Oh, definitely. I, you are an awesome guy. <laughs> you are. I'm trying to be. You are, man. You are like the hardest worker I have ever met. Like you are entrepreneur. Wow. Like you, I feel like you go, go, go. I'm always like, how in the world does John keep all of the plates spinning that he's spinning? Like you're always starting new stuff. You're like, you've got like eight companies or whatever. <laughs> and you've got a house full of kids. Like you've got more kids also than anybody I know. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so and, that's the, but that's the, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the part about it. That's the drive. The fact that the thing that makes me work as hard as I, I work is because I have a house full of children. And so I have to work. Molly's a baby now in, in yeah. about 10 years, she's going to be a teenager or getting on the cusp of being a teenager. And then yeah. you'll see how much she starts to eat. Yeah. You know, right. and, and you'll yeah, they uh, they empty. They just empty it. Like this, all this time being at home and stuff. Our the highest bill in the house has been the grocery bill. Yeah, you right. know what I mean. It's because they they just eat. I believe there's it. Nothing there's nothing else, else to, do. to do. Yeah, there's nothing else to do but eat. And yeah. so it, you know, so I work as hard as I work because I'm I'm trying to provide a future. Again, like we were talking about earlier, I'm trying to provide. I don't want them to go through what I have to go. Yeah. I don't want them to be in the environments that I had to be. through. I don't want them to have to suffer through the things that I had to suffer through. And yeah. part of that is creating an environment for them to grow up in, grow, grow up in that does not expose them to these schisms, uh, creating um, a generational line of wealth to yeah. where they don't have to, to go and live in poverty or live in bad neighborhoods or live right. in other, you know, that where they can, they can, they can get their education. They can, they don't have to worry about being burdened down with student loans. Right. You know, I'm still paying back. I'm 38. I'm still paying back student loans. Yeah. Still paying back student loans. You know what I'm saying? 38, 38 years old, still paying back student loans. So I don't want my children to have to do that. So I work as hard as I do. I try to monetize every idea that I have. Yeah, you, you know, do. Because, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to provide a future for them that to where they don't have to experience the things that I am. I, I want them to be, I want their college to be paid for. I want their, their cards, you know, I, I got six cars I got to buy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got six cell phone bills I got to pay. You know what yeah, I mean? The, the, the everything, I got three girls. So that means that that's three weddings I'm going to have to pay for. I don't have enough businesses right now. <laughs> To, to take care yeah, of all, of that all stuff. those weddings, all the, yeah, yeah to take care of all of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that 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 is the that is the the the, the heart of my work work ethic. It is it is to provide something. To lead, the, the Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That's what the Bible says. And so that is my my declaration over my life. Like I want my grandchildren yeah. to be like, man, granddaddy really made this happen for me like wow. i'm walking in this level yeah. of favor and blessings because 
my grandfather took it upon himself and took it on his back to make sure that we didn't have to suffer, that we didn't have to live yeah. in poverty, that we didn't have to be subjected to this stuff. So what a legacy that's, that's to leave, just, man. What a legacy, man, to leave, you know, yeah. that's so honorable. And yeah. I've just, I've like always been very impressed by your work ethic and you're not lazy. Like you, you no, go get them, you get, you go get it done and like hustle. And um, that's actually really cool to hear the heart behind that. Yes, sir. Um, so, bro, I'm with you, man. We're with you. Loop community is with you. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the other yeah, I'm conversations that it. are happening. You know, I said it. I said interviews earlier, and actually, I don't. It's this is an interview. This is like this is just conversation. conversation, man. Yeah. This is like listening, asking questions, seeking mm -hmm. to understand. Seeking yeah. to understand. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, and I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm man. excited. Love you, brother. Yep. All right, man. Well, Talk appreciate you your time. Yeah, man. And, and your love, man. Yeah, bro.